Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? If you're doing good already in 2022, I mean, it's only two days. How many times have you messed up or can you mess up in two days? No, exciting, exciting stuff. Um, I'm going to do one thing while we're applauding right now. I want to welcome in our Sherwood campus. So why don't you give them a big round of applause for being here? Interesting, interesting. I loved, I loved what, uh, what Caleb was saying about Revive. And it's interesting to me because um, since about September, God has been stirring, um, not just in my heart. Actually, it's been the whole team's heart about this need for a revival. Um, we have gone through two years. I think there's a lot of things we can disagree on in the world, right? We can disagree on uh, politics. We can disagree on how things are being handled in our world. But one of the things that we can't disagree on, I almost promised everybody would go, yep, yep, this is it, is we can't disagree on we're ready to, for the last two years to be gone. Like 2020 and 2021, we're like, okay. And a lot of us think that we just flip a page and it's gonna change. We just another calendar year. And that's just not the way it's been. And if you watched us online on the 26th, uh, that was our online service directly following. Uh, one of the things I made a comment about is millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people have made New, Year, New Year's resolutions, right? And lots of people do that. But I also said this, millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people have already broken their New Year's resolution. That they show that statistics, about 70 or 80% of the people that make New Year's resolutions break them in the first week. That means a lot of the things that we said that we want to do, the things that we want to be, we're already kind of failed at those things. And you know why? It's because New Year's resolutions don't work. Somebody say amen to that. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying there's more to it than just making a resolution. There's more to it than just going, okay, I'm gonna lose weight this year. I'm gonna read the Bible more this year. I'm gonna work on my marriage. There needs to be some action, some steps that take place. I love the way Philippians 3 says it in verse 13. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have, that I have made it my own. What he's saying is I haven't arrived yet. So like what I'm about to tell you is something that I'm learning and learning during the process. He said, but one thing that I do know is forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize um, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said right there, there's a mouthful of things about where and how lasting change comes from. The very first thing that needs to happen in lasting change, and I think that we would all agree with this, we have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. We have to be ready to move from the old. Like you can't, so many of us go, you know something, I wanna kind of leave one foot right here and one foot right here. I wanna still kind of, I wanna, I'm gonna eat Dunkin' Donuts, but I wanna lose weight, or I wanna, I wanna, I wanna do this thing. I still wanna have a couple, and, but, I, but I, wanna be, I wanna be this right. Or I, I just, and it doesn't work that way. We literally have to be tired of the way that we used to live. So we have to be tired of the old way. Another one is we need to have a new perspective. Uh, one of the things that I love when I read leadership books is uh, when, when, I, when I'm reading about somebody that's an action-oriented thinker, you know what that means? That you put action to, the, to your words. And so many times what happens in our world, we have, we talk a good game. Anybody ever been, so years ago, I didn't share this with first service, years ago, I did a message on all the different fish in the church. And I talked about goldfish, and I talked about one of the ones, anybody know what a blowfish is? And they, they <laughs> but when it, <laughs> do you know there's a lot of blowfish in the church? They look real big. They say all the right things. They, they quote the right scriptures. They do all the, but, but, but deep down inside, there's no substance. People that aren't blowfish, people that are legit are people that are action-oriented thinkers. They put words to their actions. Their actions mean something. Their, their actions are intentional. 
Here's another thing. We need to develop a repetition. You know what that means? That we do it today, and we do it tomorrow, and we do it the next day. We just don't, listen, I wish that I could look like, like, like six-pack in one workout, don't, right? Don't we all wish, like, or I drink one drink, you know, one, you know, t- whatever the potion is, and I'm like, <laughs> but instead I drink one drink, and I go, <laughs> right? And it's just one of those, you know? And so there needs to be some repetition, uh, developing a daily routine. And here's another one. There needs to be an attitude of persistence. And, and, and it means this. It means that I, I'm not just going to do it for one day or one week or that I'm going to make a lifestyle out of it, that it has to be. And that's the only way lasting change happens. And, I, and some of you are thinking like, oh, he's talking about losing weight. Or he's talking about going down. Yes, but how about our spiritual life? Because our spiritual life falls in that category. And it's one of the things that so many times we don't really work on. We just think that it's going to happen by osmosis. I read a scripture and it's going to be all over me. It takes some work. There needs to be a sick and tired of the old way. There needs to be some persistence. There needs to be repetition. So it applies to every area of our lives. And this is where I've come up. And I want you to write this down because this is kind of going to be our theme for the whole year. We don't need a resolution. What we need is a revival. See, resolutions, they come and go. But revival, when God changes us from the inside out, it's a lasting change. And isn't that what we're looking for, a lasting change? When we break addictions, when we, when we go against the flow of traffic, when we're different than the world, that needs to come from God and God alone, and that's the only way it can come. And so I, over the last, uh, I think since September, there's been two passages of Scripture that, that I've kind of really honed in on. And I, and I would encourage you, and we're going to talk about this at the very end of the message, but Psalms 119, um, Caleb just read from the 25th verse, uh, from the dust and is, you know, revive me from your soul. And so many of us felt that way. But Psalms 19 is another one. And, and, and it almost says the same thing. And it really talks a lot about how we're going to be revived by God's word and what God's word can do for us. And really, I almost titled the message instead of about the revival is what God's word can do for us. Because if we really take God's word seriously, it can change us. It'll, it'll change our ass, everything about our lives. I talk about this all the time. And, and, and I say this dangerous message of Jesus and see, the dangerous message, when we apply to our life, it changes everything we do. It changes how we spend our money. It changes how we do vacations. It changes what we do in our free time. It changes how we raise our kids. It, it changes everything. And so when we talk about God's word, I want to look at God's word as what it can do for us in our lives. And this year, how it can change us from the inside out. Lasting change, not a resolution, but a revival. And so Psalms 19, you may want to kind of open your Bible. If you have an analog Bible, you may want to flip over there because we're land here for a little while, but it says in verse seven, it says the law of the Lord. So the law of the Lord, that's God's word again, is perfect. It's reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, the precepts. Precepts is another, it's a baseline belief system. Precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord, there again, the rules, the commandments are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even fine gold, sweeter than all the honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is what? What are those two words? I love this. In keeping them, there is great reward. And so that's why we're going to look at God's word. And the first thing is we peel this back as we take this high-level flyover. Look, I want you to get this. This is really important. God's word is the source of reviving the soul. We can't look at anything else. That's the place that we go. If we need our, our lives revived... And it's interesting because if it's that important, if it's that good, then why aren't we, why aren't we reading it more? Listen to the statistic. 62% of the people in this community right here, surrounding our church, 
would like to read the Bible more? Just by show of hands. How many people would like to read the Bible more? Okay, maybe not 60, but 50%. Okay, 87% of the people in our church want to help uh, in understanding the Bible more. Yeah, I would love to understand the Bible more, especially the book of Revelation or the book of Numbers. No. But you know what studies show? Listen to this. This This is staggering. Studies show that Bible reading is waning. And they're literally saying by 2040, two-thirds of the Americans will have no meaningful connection to the Bible. Meaning two-thirds are going to think that the Bible is obsolete, that it's just a good book to have. It's the dust that that Caleb was talking about. And that's sad because when I read the Bible, the one thing I think about is how it's changed my life. And, 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 And how it's living. It's not, I love the way Justin says it all the time. It's his living word. It's his, it's his living word. A couple years ago, I was in a small group of people and they asked me a question and we were kind of just, it was just dialogue. And then you guys can think about this. You don't have to show, you know, raise your hand or anything, but like they asked me, what's the, fi- if you only had five books that you can read the rest of, the, of your life, what would those five books be? And, and I didn't give them in any order. I was trying to be like, look how good, but I said, C.S. Lewis. I, I love mere Christianity. I love, um, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. I love uh, screw tape letters. So, the, and then Tolkien, which not many people know this. They went to school together in Oxford and they were like best friends. And they challenged each other constantly about not using their books as just metaphors, but to actually bring out the truth of Christ. And so I would like Tolkien, like the Lord of the Rings and all that. I, I think they're um, remarkable. And then I said the Bible. And then somebody said, because they wanted to know, and it was like, so if you had one book, and I said, it was, it's the Bible. Like, Honestly, over the last 40 years, it's the only book that I've tried to read every day of my life. As a matter of fact, you know, a lot of us over the last couple of days have started new Bible plans. We were actually talking about it in the foyer with, with uh, Will and, and Alan, and I'm so challenged by Alan because every morning Alan comes walking into the office and, and, and he has his Bible app going in, so the, the Bible on audio, and he makes his coffee and he listens to the Bible, and it's every day, and I'm like, oh, I, I want to do that. Like, because it's one thing to read it. It's another thing, I think, hearing it is it, it, it takes it to a different level. And it, it, it's it, all day, it's inside of me. And, 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 I'm, and I'm understanding, and I'm not messing up the words because we all mess up the words, right, in, in the Bible a lot of times, right? So, but it's one of those deals where, like, it, it, it's changed my life. The Bible is absolutely, and it's interesting to me because a lot of us go, well, yeah, it's a good book. It's a good book to have around. Well, yes, it is a good book to have around. It's a great, it's a great piece of literature. And even if you don't believe in the, in the stuff in the Bible, it's a great piece of literature. It's one of a kind. I mean, it was written by um, um, about 40 different people in three different languages, Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew, by 40 different people all over the place, different people, some rich, some poor, some religious, some not religious, some, some women, some men, some educated, some not educated. And it was written over a period of 12 to 1400 years. And it all comes together to say, say the same thing. People say there's contradiction. There's not a contradiction in it. It's a good piece of literature. It's a great book to have around. But to a believer, it's way more than a book of literature. It's a book that we read and we digest and we live by and it breathes and lives inside of us and it changes us from the inside out. That's what David's saying in verse seven. I don't know if you caught it the first time, but it says this, the law of the Lord, God's, God's word, the perfect reviving, it's perfect reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise simple. It was interesting, it was when Caleb was reading that passage of scripture, I was reminded of John chapter one, verse one. It says, in the beginning, the word became flesh. And you know what the word is? The word is Jesus Christ. Jesus became the word. He took the written word, the ink, 
the things that were done in pen on paper, and he became the living word. He became every word in it. He became the promise of that. And so I want to make something really clear when I'm talking the rest of this message. I'm not, I'm not talking about the words on the page or, 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 or a, a translation or a certain whatever your idea is. I'm talking about the Jesus that every word leads us to in this book. Because if you read it from Genesis to Revelation, there is one hero of the story and his name is Jesus Christ. All of the world pivoted on that one creative moment when God sent his son to die on the cross for us, period. And so I'm not just talking about your version of the Bible or one, one of your pet passages. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the Jesus Christ of the Bible. And it's interesting because Psalm 19 is a challenge that we're all gonna read this together. Listen to what it says. It says, my soul cleaves, in verse 25, to the dust reviving me according to your word. Psalms 119.50 says, this is my comfort in my affliction that your word has revived me. Psalms 119.93 says, I will never forget your precepts for by them you have revived me. 107 says, I'm exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. 149 says, hear my voice according to your loving kindness. Revive me, O Lord, according to your ordinances. And I love it when we see the scripture, but I love it to see when the actions come together. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the, the story of Nehemiah. Anybody ever hear of Nehemiah? If you haven't, I'll give you uh, just a real quick rundown. And we did a series a couple years ago called 52. You can go back on our website and watch it. But in 52 days, God was, by an unction of the Holy Spirit, by, by an angel speaking to Nehemiah, he was, he was challenged to rebuild the walls that were torn down in Jerusalem. And years and years and years it was torn down. The Babylonian uh, came in and conquered it, and Nehemiah was given that petition to do that. So he started rebuilding, and 52 days, him and his friends and the people around him rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. But they realized there was one thing missing, that yes, they had uh, the, the, the walls of, uh, of, of, of Jerusalem were torn down, but they also abandoned the reading of Scripture. So Ezra, one of the priests, gets up on one of the walls that's finished, and starts reading scripture, the living word of God, he starts reading it, and revival breaks out. And, and not just that they come together to build a wall, they came together to go back to a living God, the God that had saved them, a God that had done things for thousands of years prior to that. I love what the living word of God does. If you'll give me just a minute or two, I barely ever do this, but I'm gonna share my story with you. Um, I was 17 years old. I was raised in a home that went to a traditional church. I, if you were here on Christmas Eve, um, I was raised in the Catholic Church. I have nothing negative to say about the Catholic Church, so, so don't, don't, don't read anything into this, okay? But we went to church like Christmas and Easter, like most good people do, right? And I went to catechism, and I did my first Holy Communion. I did all the stuff that, that good Catholics do. I became, in the process, I wanted to become an altar boy, so I was doing all that. But there was something stirring in me. Something just didn't, it wasn't matching up. And I remember the day, I was 17 years old, I was sitting in my bedroom, and I got a phone call, and I found out that my best friend just got killed. He was a baseball player that was on my team. He was literally on his way to pick me up to take me to one of the baseball games. And I was devastated, as you can imagine. And I remembered something that one of the pastors or a friend of mine, on I don't remember exactly who it was. And so I went to my little shelf and I opened up a Bible. It, it wasn't what, what you would consider a mainline Bible. It wasn't like an NIV or a King James or a New Living Train. It was actually called the Living Bible. It was a paraphrased version and I know Listen, some of you are going, that's not even theologically correct. I get it. I was 17 years old though, okay? So I'm reading through it and there was a tab right in Romans chapter three. And it's a tab that my buddy Charlie put in there for me. And I was sitting there going, because up to this point, religion to me was kind of like a checkbook. 
Some of you young people have no idea what a checkbook is. But old people carry around these paper things and they write on them and they, they turn them over to somebody. They don't swipe anything. They turn it over and like in seven to 10 days, the bank gets it and they take it out of your account. I always thought religion was like a checkbook. That if I did enough good things, the bad things would be dissolved. That, that almost it was a cost benefit. Like I would have to do three to two or four to one. And so I grew up kind of with that mentality. But I knew there was something missing. You ever got to that point where you just know something's not there? And I remember looking at tab and I picked up that Bible and I'm gonna read to you from the living Bible what it says. And, and maybe you can just think in the mind of a 17 year old, maybe in the mind, your mind, like how this impacts our lives. But it says, but now God has shown us a different way to heaven. And I went, oh, wait a second. But maybe the stirring in me is something that's different. Maybe the stirring in me is something real. He said, now I've shown you a different way to heaven, not being good enough and trying to keep his laws, but by a very new way, though not new, really, for the scriptures told about it long ago. Now, God says he will accept and acquit us. And I love those two words. He will take me just as I am, and he will wash away, forget everything I've ever done. And then it was these next couple words, and declare us not guilty. I can tell you up to this point that everything I did wrong, even if it doesn't seem wrong, I felt guilty about. I, I remember maybe, you guys remember, so when I was 17, I used to smoke cigarettes. And, and, and I'm not saying that if you smoke cigarettes, just hear me on this, that you're going to hell. You're gonna get to heaven faster but you're not going to hell. Okay, we good on that? Okay, we good? Like, this is a judgment-free stage today. But, but I felt like, I remember doing this. Maybe you remember doing this. I have a friend that used to tell me the same thing about it when he used to do Red Man, but I would pull out a Marlboro Light. I'd light it up. I want to be the Marlboro. Everybody wants to be Dutton. I'd fire up a Marlboro Light. I'd smoke about a quarter of it, and I would feel guilty. And I'd flick that thing out the window and I'd take the whole pack. Back then it was 90 cents probably, right? A dollar. And I'd wrap that whole thing and I'd be asking for, I'd be crying, Jesus, forgive me for smoking that cigarette. I'm riding down the road. You know why? Because sin makes us feel guilty, doesn't it? Or things that we do wrong or keep us away from God. It's something deep down inside. It's our knower. We know, we know the Holy, because the Holy Spirit's living inside. There's conviction that happens here. And so when those words not guilty came up, I was like, Everything I've ever done in my life has made me feel guilty. Even some of the good things that I've done made me feel guilty. How do I line up with God? So he says, and this pastor in Rome, he says, not guilty. He says, if we trust Jesus, Jesus Christ to take away our sins and, and we all can be saved in the same way by coming to Christ no matter who we are or what we have done. And suddenly, as much as a 17-year-old could understand it, I understood what grace and mercy was. I understood I couldn't do it on my own, that I needed Jesus Christ to do all the actions for me, that he died on the cross so I didn't have to die on a cross. And I say all that to say this, it wasn't a sermon from some hotshot preacher. It wasn't, it wasn't a tape that I just listened to or a song that was on the radio. It wasn't a song that was played in worship service. It wasn't any of those things. It was God's holy word that transformed my life. And I would encourage you, if you need to be revived in your life today, and you're not in God's word, get in God's word. I would say make it the first thing you do every day. Make it the thing that you read before anything else. Because another thing that happens in our lives when we read God's word, because God's word is also the source 
of practical wisdom. How many people know this? That you can be really, really, really smart and not have any practical wisdom. You can have lots of, lots of letters behind you and, and in your name and, and in front of your name and all that kind of stuff. So I grew up in a little town called Allentown, New Jersey, right? We were about 30 minutes from Princeton, New Jersey, which was where the Princeton University was. Now, if you know anything about history, and if you don't, I'm going to tell you, there was a major scientist that was from Princeton, New Jersey, and lived in, was actually a, a, a professor there. His name was Albert Einstein. Anybody ever hear of Albert Einstein? So we would say that he was brilliant, right? But he could not remember to put his shoes on to walk outside. He could walk in a foot of snow, and people would literally have to take him back to his house because he wouldn't have shoes and socks on. See, some people think that intelligence is about how much we know up here, but intelligence is knowing the right thing to do and when to do it. That's what real intelligence is. And that's what God's word gives us. The law of the Lord, in verse seven, is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Taking the things that everybody else thinks is so hard and it makes it simple. Wisdom has nothing to do. Wisdom, listen, if you wanna write a definition, is knowing how to do what to do Next, that's it. How to do and what to do next. Maybe we can agree on this. There is times, okay, I'll say it this way. There's been times in my life that it's been hard to decide or figure out what was right and what was wrong. Okay, all right? I'm gonna give you another one. There's even times in my life where it's hard to decide better or best. Like, what am I supposed to do? What's the... Most, what's the most intelligent thing for me to do right now? What, what, what should I spend the most time? What relationships should I invest my life in? Man, I'm telling you, every time I've been in those moments, I've gone to God's word and somehow or another through reading his word, it's enlightened. Like, like look, listen, so, and, and don't do this. One of the things I am very methodical about my Bible reading, okay? So like last year it was the reading um, um, chronologically. Oh my goodness. So this year I'm listening to the Bible, but I don't do this. I would encourage you not to do this. Like, this is not like, God speak to me. <laughs> Give all that you have to the poor. No. <laughs> Jesus wept. Okay, I'll do that. You know, but you know what I'm saying? But what's happened in my life when I've had those moments that I've asked God to clearly define the direction he wants me to go. He speaks to me through his word. He speaks to me through people who know his word, people that are, that, are, that are counselors to me or confidants to me. How about this? Do you know that in God's word, it talks to us about how and who we should date, that who we should be in a relationship with? It talks to us about how we should spend our money. It talks to us about how we should raise our kids. I mean, it gives a challenge to parents not to exasperate your children. I love that word. And then it tells us that if we spare the rod, we spoil the child. It tells us how we're supposed to do conflict. It says in Matthew 18, if you have an offense against your brother, you go to your brother. You don't go to five other people and put it on Facebook. You go to that person first. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Somebody should, that's good preaching right there. I mean, in the world of social media, that's the first place we go. And the last place we go is the person. I had a conversation with somebody this past week or two weeks ago, right before we left, and they said, do you know that so-and-so said something about you? And you know what I said? Where did you hear it? It was on Facebook. <laughs> I said, let's do something real quick. Hey, 
buddy, how you doing? I got so-and-so in my office. You know what they started? He didn't really put it on Facebook. Well, where'd he put it on? Well, he was insinuating. I said, well, is there an issue that we need to deal with right here? The first issue was this one that was lying. The second one is you have an offense against me and you never came to me about this. The Bible talks about how to do that. The Bible talks about how to do marriage. The Bible talks about over and over again. It's the place for practical wisdom. It tells us how to, how to prioritize our life. Somebody asked me the other day, what, what is a priority? What, what are the priorities in our life? I said, like, seek first, the, Matthew 18, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other stuff falls into place. We put him on the, on, on the priority list, number one, and every, everything else falls into place. Parenting, finances, friendships, health, business, sex, marriage, spirituality, success. And I can go on and on and on. And then it says this in verse eight, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure. I love this, enlightening the eyes, opening up our eyes. We have wisdom when we use God's word. And I'm gonna tell you, it helps me make every decision in my life. Proverbs says it like this, without counsel, plans fail, but with advisors, they succeed. And you know who the first advisor is? God's word, God. And then I put godly people around me and I go, okay, what do you think about this? And then generally, you know what they say? Let's pray about it. Let's fast about it. Let's figure out what God's trying to speak through this situation. It's because it works. We should never make a, a major, I'm gonna say a major, we should never make a decision without making sure it bounces up with God's word. We should never make a decision without making sure that we have wise counsel in our lives. Let me give you a third thing. God's word is the source of unordinary confidence. Some people just ooze confidence, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like they just ooze it like, like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in the, in the face of disaster, when, when, when the mist of life is all around you and you don't know how to make it, they, they, they make confident decisions. They, they stand firm in their belief system. That's what God tells us that he gives us when we understand his word. He says, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them in your, uh, is your servant warned. In keeping them, there's great reward. A couple years ago, I love this about the confidence. Um, a couple years ago, I had um, a little small group that I was involved in. Um, now it's called Starting Point here. We have it, it's an access group. And, and we have a great experience. If you, if you have questions about Christianity or faith, I would encourage you to go. I think it's gonna start up in two or three weeks, but it's on Tuesday nights. And it's just, it's a place where people that have questions that can come and ask questions. It's, it's a place where like, there's no wrong question. Like, is Jesus really, you know, this? Or, but I asked the question, if you can ask God any, any one question, what would you ask him? And it was interesting because they all surrounded the same kind of idea. Um, I think some people said something along the lines of, like, am I going in the right direction? Man, I would, there's time, anybody? Like, I would like to know sometimes, like, like, is this the right direction? But the number one was this, am I okay with God? Am I okay with God right now? And you know what I've learned? Because of God's word, I don't have to, I don't have to question that. Today in a couple hours, I'm gonna stand over a casket of a friend of mine that got killed in a car accident. And I'm gonna make some really bold statements at this funeral service. Ones that I have made before when I know the person that's in the casket is a believer. And one of the comments I'm gonna make is the moment that his eyes shut on this side of eternity, his eyes opened on the other side of eternity. 
and he was standing in the presence of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. And he was bowing down in worship. Now you say, that's a pretty arrogant statement. No, it's a pretty responsible statement because I know what God's word says. 1 John 5.13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. No questions asked. There wasn't a waffling that maybe it happens. Is that you will know. Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, verse 9. Back up. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 10, 10. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And you're saying, I can hear some of you watching online down at Sherwood. Well, you have to say those. You're a pastor. You have to say those things. I don't believe those things because I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor because I believe those things. Do you hear me? At 17 years old, the reality of who Jesus was came to light. Do I have questions? Absolutely. Do I still wonder what heaven's gonna be like or exactly? Absolutely. Don't understand it all. But I know this. Neither death nor life is gonna separate me from the love of God. And God went before me and prepared a place in heaven that when I die, when my eyes shut on this side of eternity, they open on the other side of eternity. Somebody should say amen to that right there. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we have a hope and we have an unordinary confidence. Period. Woo. Not only do they have that, we have, we have a confidence about this side of eternity. You know what drives me crazy? Negative people. Amen. I used to think stupid people were worse, but <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I, can, I can hear it. Uh, Bobby Smith, the journey community.com. Um, you see it all, all the time. They just, some people just wake up negative, don't they? And some people just are bound and determined to allow their, their negative stuff to ooze all over you. And you know what I'm finding out? Yes, I get it, man. The economic stuff's crazy, right? Well, I, I don't want to pay $319 for gas either. I get it, right? Like, I hate it. But you know something? It hasn't really affected me that much. Maybe it's affected you, but it, I still go where I want to go. Just cost me a little bit more now. <laughs> I, I, I don't like what politicians do. Most of them, at least. Probably all of them. You, you understand where I'm going with this? But spitting it out on social media and every time that something happens being negative doesn't help me at all. As a matter of fact, it does just the opposite because what I start to say, I also start to think. See, the Bible says the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What should have been said is the ears also hear, and then it regurgitates or recycles back in, and it makes the rest of me negative. We have a lot to be hopeful for, y'all. That God said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. God said, listen, he will take care of you even in the midst of a storm. He said, count up your joy when struggles of many kinds. You know why? Because he knows. The Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. You know why? Because he made it and he'll give us our provisions. And I think that when Christians are negative, if you call yourself a believer, it's because you haven't bought into the book yet. Because I read the end of it and we win. Hi. <laughs> Some of us walk around like we're 
We're daggum baptized in pickle juice. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. The Bible says a merrieth heart doeth good like a medicine. I have nothing to be like, stop. Yes, I understand. You lost. I get that. Or you lost it, whatever. But there's always tomorrow, and God's still God. And you know something? He's still in control. Yeah. No doubt. Verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. That when I get into God's word, regardless of what's going on out here, I can find good in God's scripture. I can find something good that God's speaking to me through his word every time. And that's why we make bold statements like, we can be revived by his word. Can I give you one extra truth? I know we're, we're close to being, we're almost out of time. But there was one truth that I wanted to give you, and then we'll close right here, okay? <clears throat> the purpose of scripture is not to give you ammunition or anybody ammunition for arguing. The purpose of scripture was for life transformation only. Because I can hear some of you, well, the Bible says this. You know something? I can crowbar scripture just as good as anybody else. I was an expert at it when I was 17 when I knew everything. But you got to take the whole body of work. And if you look at the whole body of work, the scriptures point to one event, and that's Jesus Christ dying on the cross so my life can be transformed. That's it. It's not to be used against the Democratic or Republican Party or whether you believe whatever lives matter or whatever your view is on vaccinations. I really don't care anymore. I would like to know what your view on Scripture is and where it leads you and how it's changed your life and how it's going to continue to change your life and if you're reading it every day. That's what I want to know. That's the person I'm going to listen to. You want to be an influence in the world? Influence with people with the scriptures because that brings transformation, not death. Amen? Amen? So the challenge today is this because you aren't walking out of here without a challenge. Some of us made resolutions, right? Let's turn them into habits, right? And I'm going to challenge all of us as a faith community, whether you're at the Sherwood campus, whether you're online, whether you're sitting here, whether you're a staff member, it doesn't make a difference. I'm going to challenge you to get into God's word every day. Oh, Pastor Bobby, I don't even know where to start. Start one Psalms 119. That's where we're going to land. Start there. Take the passive scripture we just read. Get, get a U version. If you don't have the Bible app, get the Bible app. Download it. There's gazillions of, of I put one yesterday on just the, the reading through, uh, listening through the Bible in a year. And, and I know, listen, last year, I, 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 did, I did the whole Bible in 30 days. That's great. Do the whole Bible in 30 but, 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 but make sure you're retaining things too. So this is what I do. This is what my challenge would be. Take Psalms 119, read a few verses, stop. Okay, God, what are you speaking to me? What is it you want me to hear about this thing? Is there something in my life or direction in my life I need to go? Maybe you do that and then jump into Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Get in one of the gospels and how much Jesus loves you. Don't go to Revelation and don't land in numbers to start out with, amen? Go to something where God can speak to you. And then I'll challenge you one step further. And one of the things that I did all of last year is I literally prayed through the scriptures. So I would take the scriptures and I would pray. There's ones that are easier than other. Psalms are perfect for that. Jump in the Psalms and just start praying. Make it your prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. God, you're my shepherd. 
I shall not want. I have nothing that I need. God, thank you for everything. Help me lie down by all that stuff and pray through the scriptures. And watch what happens to your life and watch how God revives you. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment. God, we have, we have talked about a lot today. And I don't want to skip through anything because everything's important, but there's one major thing that's more important than anything else. And it's God, as when I was talking about my transformation, when I asked you to be my Savior. And I have a feeling there's people in this room, maybe watching online down at Sherwood, that your faith has been based on how good you can be and not how bad you can be. Or making sure that you did enough good. And maybe today reality was this, that Jesus is the only way. It's by faith in him and him alone, the dying on the cross and the resurrection of the grave. And maybe you walked into this place or maybe you're listening to us online and that reality has never been true until today. My encouragement is that you have a conversation with the heavenly father. There's no secret prayer. There's no secret room. There's a, not a card that you have to fill out. It's just a Jesus, I need you in my life. I am away from you right now. I've tried to do it on my own and I need to feel the feeling of not guilty. And your word tells me how I can do that. It's by trusting you. Father, thank you that we have your word, your living word that we can go to when times are tough, when we need questions answered, when we need direction. God, thank you for being here in this room with us. Revive us by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.